Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, October 30th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. It's going to go fast, so line up your calls. We're going to get right to them. 855-950-3835. They are starting to come in, so jump in and join us. I really don't have uh, much of an open today. It's going to be a busy day. We're only doing an hour today, so jump in now, and uh, we'll talk about what's on your mind. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, we can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority, you name it, we'll tackle it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. Brent Hutto's on his way up from truckstop.com, and then Brent and I are going to head over to Nastic for a little uh, strategic planning today. Looking forward to that. Probably a lot of that happening this week. Uh, when I travel, I try to take advantage of the time and meet with as many people as I can. Uh, after the Nastic conference, uh, I've got a couple meetings. They just happen to be in Destin, Florida. That's kind of nice. Um, and then I don't have the schedule worked out yet. I'm not sure if I'm heading down to Destin and then back up or if I'm going to go straight to Chattanooga uh, for the FreightWaves F3 conference. I need to look at that. I should probably know that already, but that's kind of way that sh- this trip's been going. All my planning has been kind of last minute. Um, the weather since I got to Nashville was absolutely beautiful till sometime during the night. Last night I was sitting out by the fire writing and it was calm and pretty warm, kind of balmy. And then I woke up this morning to a noise and the rain was just pounding and it was cold, is cold. So change of weather. Um, I think I'm just gonna get to the calls. I had a couple things, nothing earth shattering. Not a lot of industry news right now. Almost everything is being overshadowed by what's going on in the world. And I don't see a whole lot of sense in talking about that. So we'll get to the phones and find out what's on your mind. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. Let's get started in Ohio. Trevor, welcome. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing this morning? Good. What can I help you with? Well, I was uh, on the internet last night, and I, apparently Harvard put out a study saying that the, a red meat diet can lead to diabetes. What do you think of that? So it is absolutely shocking to me that Harvard, of all places, I mean, I, come on, I, I don't expect Harvard to be promoting a carnivore diet. I don't think that'll ever happen. But to publish something like this that is so nonsensical, there's zero evidence of any possible way that this could happen. Nobody really explained the mechanism of how this is going to happen. We know exactly how diabetes occurs. In fact, we call it insulin resistance. It, it does, we don't even need to call it diabetes. It's insulin resistance. So you could talk about, you know, are you pre-diabetic? Are you diabetic? But, but what's happening is you are insulin resistant and it's no different than a heroin addict who has to keep more ta- taking more heroin to get the same feeling. 
we overload our body with carbohydrates starting as babies and then we continue it and it gets worse all the time our food supply gets worse every year more and more processed food which means more and more carbohydrates almost all heavily processed foods are loaded with carbohydrates and seed oils and all kinds of bad stuff and we know that carbohydrates spike insulin protein can bump up insulin just a little bit not you couldn't eat enough meat to ever raise your blood sugar enough to ever have any kind of an impact and fat has no impact on insulin or blood sugar so i just wonder have we completely lost our mind or are they just willing to outright lie knowing that a lot of people will believe them uh, I think it's more of the study was done very piss poorly. Well, of course. But come on, it's Harvard. There's nobody at Harvard that knows how to do a study, right? Of course they do. Apparently. They did it. No, they do it wrong on purpose. They didn't make a mistake. They didn't sit around and go, oh, look, we designed a horrible study. No, it's designed exactly the way they want it designed. That's what I mean. They're just lying to us now. That, well, they probably always have been. Yeah, now it's just it's, more obvious. And the media took it and ran away with it. Oh, like it, was, they always it, do. it was everywhere. And, and it is just so absurd to believe this. It is, because I would have had diabetes a long time ago if that was the case, because I eat a lot of red meat. You know, we, we could use all of the people who have switched from a standard American diet to any low-carb diet and watch what happens. Their insulin resistance improves. If they go all the way to something like keto or carnivore, everything improves. Autoimmune conditions go away, their blood sugar levels normalize, their weight normalizes. It, it always happens. It happens over and over and over and over. There's irrefutable proof at this point that never happens to somebody who goes on a low-fat, low-calorie diet. Or if it does, right. it doesn't last because you can't sustain low-calorie. And low-fat is just really unhealthy. Low-calorie is too hard to sustain because you're hungry all the time. The longer you can stay on a low-fat, low-calorie diet, though, the more unhealthy you're going to get. Yeah. So I've always been a high-fat, high-meat kind of guy. So yeah. It's, yeah. It's been relatively easy for me just to continue to eat meat. So yeah, the other I thing have... was I just order. actually, it was uh... – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, on this trip – I have been stricter carnivore than I have ever eaten. You know, I, I was pretty strict keto when I need to be. I've done that a lot. I'm carnivore, I kind of play around with. I'm carnivore-ish. And, you know, over the last year, I've moved closer and closer to more carnivore. This trip, um, other than small amounts of fermented food with each meal and fruit, I've been pure carnivore. And the more carnivore you are, the better you feel kind of crazy i mean i i didn't think i was I, I wasn't adding much other stuff to my diet and everything i added was healthy healthier i mean there were no grains no garbage no seed oils none of that but i snack a little more um you know some more grain-free tortillas here and there even just eliminating those small amounts of that stuff and my results are better oh yeah 
I did pick up uh, from your site that X3 bar, and tell you what, that'll give you a workout. Uh, or it's just I'm really out of shape. Well, probably both. <laughs> you know, I, I can say I, I've started lifting weights when I was like 12 years old, and I've gone on and off about a thousand times at least. And in all those, I, I owned a gym. I used to uh, be a somewhat uh, competitive power lifter for a little while. Nothing I've ever done has given me better results than that bar and that workout, and it's 10 minutes four times a week. Yeah, I've done it, uh, what, two, three days now. I'm sore from it, but yeah. I feel really great when I do it. Yeah, it, it, uh, it is a really... I'm put some heat on my bones. Yeah, it's a really good, effective workout that just doesn't take a lot of time. I will tell you this, though. If you are doing it right... It is 10 minutes of pain. It hurts. It hurts the whole time. That, that's, that's the difference between what I used to do in the gym for two hours, six days a week. Uh, this is much more intense. And, 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 and when you do it right, when you nice, slow, purposeful movements and really go to failure, it hurts. Yeah, and that's... I'm- I'm still feeling pretty sore from this morning from it. Yeah, I'll bet. So, uh, yeah, I want to put some muscle on. I've always been uh, more of the skinny, nerdy kid and want to put some muscle on. I mean, start looking a little more like my father who has a bunch of muscle. Minus the belly. I don't want the belly. Yeah, you know, I, I, I tend towards skinny. As a kid, I was really skinny, and it was why I started lifting weights, because I was short and skinny, and I thought, I can't really help how tall I am, but I don't have to be skinny. And that's why I've, right. you know, been working out on and off my whole life. This will do it. This will do it better than anything I've ever tried. Yeah, and that, that's what I'm feeling. I'm really pushing hard, as hard as I can. And it, it feels great. Um, Good. Like I, just, like I said, I just started, so I'm not going to see very many improvements for a little while. You, but You might be surprised. But. Yeah, you might be surprised. Okay. I'll just keep after it then. There you go. And that's all I have for today. I'll all let right. you get to some other callers. All right. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Uh, calls are a little slow, so if you want to jump in, now would be the time. 855-950-3835. Anything goes. We're going to head off to New York. Chuck, welcome. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me back again. You're welcome. Uh, what do we got for numbers today? Hey, you know what? So we went back through and refined October. So it's way more true than she misunderstood the assignment and we fixed that. Good. How good. She's working on for the rest of the year. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. And I also was like, hey, rattling my cobwebs loose. I have the retail sales order in my hand for the new truck as well. Okay. So where should we start? Let's go with your revised numbers for October. Okay. What'd you come up with? Um, 3,500. Um, I emailed it to Morgan, so you don't have Oh, okay. It. Hold on. I didn't check. Oh, there it is right there. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> There we go. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me just take a quick glance here. 
So again, I wish they had a total line. I just got to do some math as I go through this. Uh, yeah, she found that form and she's like, it's not a bad form for free. I'm like, no, it's not. But yeah, it's I was a, looking for totals too. I kept trying to. It's an excellent form. It really yeah. is. I just can't believe they didn't give us a line down at the bottom. You know where they do total projected cost, total actual cost, total difference. Well, well great. You also could have put income in there and right. shown us the difference between income and expenses because that's kind of the purpose of the form. How do you do a budget when you're not really see? I, right. I know it's simple math, but I can't believe somebody put this much sure. work into a form, made it really good, and then never put that that calculation in here. It just seems bizarre to me. Yeah, because I asked her. I was, I was like, "Does it do that?" And she's like, "No, no." I, I'm like, "Damn!" No, she's okay. right. It, it it doesn't, and I, I'm shocked. It would take three more lines. I mean, they've already got about a hundred lines sure. on this entire form. Couldn't you put three more so we get the answer? Yeah. Right. Anyway, uh, so after you two sat down and looked at these numbers, how are you feeling? Like crap. Yeah, I. You know, here's here's the good thing. It sucks to do this. It almost always sucks to do this, and I'll tell you why. Anybody who isn't doing it probably doesn't have very good numbers. It's very common. People who make a regular habit of knowing all of their numbers, business wise and both personal. Once you know them, you're much more motivated to start working on them and improving them and making them look better. And that takes time. But when you do this for the first time, we almost always get that, that feeling like shit, this doesn't look good. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I I, mean, we, we, we both agree that we've been winging it. So, and, and we're both guilty for it. So the good, yeah. yeah, The (laughs) good news is you're not anymore. And that's, that is the single most important thing about all of this is you, you now understand how and why it's important to do the numbers. And from here, really, it's just a matter of improving. But based on you know what we know about the truck revenue and what we now see about your expenses, we know why there's no savings. Sure. So the next job, yep. uh, it, it is absolutely fantastic that she's going to go back and do the whole year. We'll find other things in there that will be important. So, it, it, And it's good to just keep doing this. Um, the really hard part comes now. What can you go through this budget and eliminate or, or at least reduce? Because there's only two ways to make enough money to start saving money. One is you have to earn more. Two is you have to spend less. Doing both is really the best method. Unfortunately... Earning more in this economy probably isn't an option. In fact, the odds are that in the next 12 months, revenue for almost everybody will probably go down. So you've got to dig hard through this list and figure out what you can either eliminate or or really minimize. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like um, one of the previous calls, I said that, you know, we've already taken the cable TV down to just internet and phone because cell phones don't work Excellent. at the house very well. Excellent. And that is, uh, uh, those are the kind any, of steps any that of the streaming, I really like to see. Sure. Um, any of the streaming services that we were using, they're, they're all turned off. They're all shut off. Good. 
the extra container that we had is it's going back this week. Okay. It's done. It's empty. We, you know, put back what we were keeping back in the garage done. Right. Um, so, Excellent. uh, other than I need to turn off another, I have three radios total on satellite radio. So truck, car, and there is a portable. I want to turn off the portable. And they said, if you do that, you cancel everything. Oh, you know what you well, might now try. Now I got to get on the phone. <laughs> you, you know what you might try because I've seen a lot of people really successful at this. Uh, I have seen a lot of people get on the phone with SiriusXM and really bitch. I can't believe I'm paying all this and threaten to cancel. I've seen people get a year's worth of service sure. free over stuff like that. <laughs> right? Seriously. It, 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 no. It, oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, they get a, of that. They get enough unhappy people. Honestly, I think their plans are too complicated and goofy. And, and I think that's why a lot of people get upset. And um, it, it seems to me like if they get a complaint, they're pretty generous with giving stuff away, giving you better rates, giving you a free period, that kind of stuff. So um, I would get on there, cancel the one you need to cancel and, you know, Try to push them for a, a good deal on the next year or whatever you can negotiate. So I, I need to take back something I said last week because I was wrong. Okay. Usually I'm right. Okay. This time I wasn't. I said I don't see the killer instinct. I think you should probably hang up the keys. And I was wrong. I appreciate the compliment. You are, uh, you are doing everything you need to do. You're doing everything I said and more. I hadn't even got to the point about cutting expenses yet. You're already doing that. Sure. So I don't... Yep. I don't oh, yeah, that was, that was the phone call Thursday, right after I got off the phone with you last Thursday. <laughs> we got to do this. I, good. <laughs> I, I don't like to over-promise things. I would love to oh, be no. able to tell you your promise in business. Yeah, I, I w- sometimes I can look at at a situation and go, yeah, you got this. You're going to make this. There's no reason why you wouldn't. Um, had you called me a year ago, I would have probably said that. Um, I'm just a little worried about our economy right now. You're right on the edge. You're doing I all agree. the right things, and you have a really good chance of saving this. But it's not a slam dunk, and it's not because of what you're doing or not doing. It's because of the economy. We're, we're just, it, it's sometimes sure. things yeah. are just timing. But I will tell you this no matter what the final outcome is, everything you're doing is going to make that final outcome at least better. I agree. I agree. So, doing it. yeah. Uh, the, the fire is lit. So, and there's other things that's going on within the company that at least two that it gets now into an inferno. And okay, good. So, I mean, that's that's, I mean, that's what's going on in the company that's affecting me personally is now, besides the point of my business. Okay, it one, is, but it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> one more thing I would have you think about: Is there any Absolutely. any way of not not so much with your truck. Don't think about your truck right now. Is there any way to increase personal revenue even a little? And what I'm thinking is there are just so many opportunities today for doing some of the gig work, Instacart, DoorDash. Um, it's not fantastic. Uh, it, it's a lot of work, doesn't pay all that well. But anything we can add to the positive side of the ledger right now helps. Increase the rent on my rental property? Uh, 
Yeah, possibly. I did if, not include that on that. Yeah, possibly if if you're you know if you're in a market where you could increase and it makes sense to yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean that's that's the only extra revenue a month is and that's eight hundred a month I, that I have right now. I well, let me ask you this: What's that property sure. worth? Uh, in the way my wife researches stuff and so on and so forth, by right, we should be charging anywhere from twelve no, to fifteen hundred. No, I mean, I mean, what would it sell for in today's market? Um, selling off, I, they won't let me sell off the parcel um, because there's not enough frontage to it. So oh. I would have to sell everything. Oh, okay, never mind. I yeah. forgot. That's right. It's on your yeah. property, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's the other thing, you know, we, right. we look at in a situation like this is, are there, you know, assets sure. we can get rid of, but it doesn't sound like you can get rid of that. Well, I can get rid of my motorcycle. It, it's just sat there for the last seven years, done nothing, but sit there. No insurance, oh. no nothing. Th- that would, you know, it, it paid for. That would know, be listed so. for sale today. Um, sure. Yeah. I, I just, it's been one of those. Do I get rid of it? No, I don't. No, I know. It's just been the back and forth my own turmoil. Well, and and look, here's the thing. When we're financially okay, many times it doesn't make sense to sell assets like that. Uh, Even if you don't use it a lot because you use it, you you know, if you sell it, we always lose money when we sell. We lose more if we have to go buy something else like it again. But in a a case like this, um, that one would go. I, yeah, it needs to go. You're 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 right. It does. It really does need to go. I mean, like I said, since I've been back on the road full time, like I have for the last seven years, and uh, started out as a company driver, like I said before, that motorcycle is sad because taking care of the house and making sure bills were paid was more important than right. riding a motorcycle when I got home. Yep. Yeah, you know, I I get it. Yep. So uh, one of the things that hurt to get rid of. It really hurt bad was um, mom's inheritance car that she had gotten from grandma and grandpa out of Indiana. It sat in the garage for the last 35 years. You know, I... I I knew it was a project car. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, project cars. You know, getting rid of a project car is even a better idea. Because project cars, if we do ever get around to them, cost us a lot of money. Yeah, it's already gone, yeah. and it went to somebody and, who is absolutely in love with it. And I'm like, good, oh, good. good. You know, I, yeah. I, so, I, 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 and I, it's just a personality thing. I don't know. I, I do not. I like stuff. Don't get me wrong. I, I've done my share of spending over the years. In fact, um, the financial situation we're in is not because of my spending habits. I, I have all the knowledge on how you manage money well. And yet in the real world, I don't do it all that great myself. I, I've got that, what's called the right. entrepreneur's curse. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. Okay. I, I was selling toothpicks at school in third grade and making money doing it. And I, <laughs> I, I, I've, yeah, I, I would buy toothpicks and I would take them home and I would soak them in cinnamon oil and peppermint oil and I would sell toothpicks. This is like in the 1970s. I was selling toothpicks for a nickel a piece. Do you know how much profit were in those things? They, oh, that was a ton. Yeah. But so a ton of profit. So the the problem with people who are entrepreneurial like that is we tend to overspend 
because in our mind, we'll just go make more money. And it doesn't always work that way. Um, so, so I can be a big spender. Uh, it's, it's my wife, Lisa, that manages the money every day and she does an amazing job of it. Uh, so the spending, yeah, my, my wife is a big in, in, introvert, so she doesn't go out unless it's for appointments. Yeah. She doesn't yeah. go to the store just to go shopping. You know, she's more than happy yeah. to sit at home and read a book or study something. Hey, we yeah. need to find out about this. Okay. Which you is know, awesome. Um, I'm kind of an introvert myself and I do prefer to be alone most of the time and I don't go out a lot and I hate shopping at stores, but boy, I can spend an awful lot of money with my laptop. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. I don't, yep. I don't have to yep. get out of bed um, to spend money. Uh, so yeah, I, right. I, I, I get the, um, you know, the spending thing, uh, this is the time, though, to really buckle down. I, I'm, I, I am really optimistic for you, too. I am. True. Yeah, I have class kind of full personality-wise myself. You know, I, I'm always waiting for that shoe to come dropping out of the sky. What the hell is going to happen next? Yeah, so, you know, I think what, what will happen here for you, too, is there's a really good chance you'll save this. Can't make any guarantees because there's there's too many unknowns in our economy right now. But but you guys are on the right track. You're willing to do the right things. You're doing it every day. You have a good shot at saving this. Even if you don't, your financial future is sure. much, much better now. Absolutely. I, I have to agree. Um, I think I'd also uh, clear up some confusion a little bit on your side. The uh, I was listening to the show Friday uh, when you were talking to the all the other guys, Joel and all them, and so on and so forth. And you said something on the effect of how I got the truck through the company. I did not get the truck through the company. Where's it financed? I might be I getting it. two stories mixed up. Um, it's financed through Peterbilt, Packard themselves. Packard owns Peterbilt and Kenworth. Right. Yeah, Packard Finance, right. Yeah. Uh, oh, I might be getting two yeah. stories mixed up then. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But um, the cost you're right, because now I remember one of your expenses that I was so shocked about was your insurance because you had to have gap insurance. Yes, that's correct. That, okay. that bomb was dropped. That bomb was dropped on me right after I signed the paperwork for the deal. Oh, by you know, the way, you need to carry gap insurance. You know, thanks. OK, you know, what's interesting <laughs> about that. I sure. I sure. can't think of another case I've ever worked with where anybody ever had gap insurance on a truck. It's fairly common in in real estate because banks want 20% down and with today's pricing on houses, very very few people can come up with 20% down. And so you you end up sure. paying for gap insurance on a mortgage. But boy, I, I'm trying to think back. I don't think I've ever seen it on a truck. Yeah, and when I got the, after I got the uh, business loan, the business loan for the trailer was only sixty thousand. I came up with the other ten thousand for the whole for the trailer okay. to purchase the trailer. I purchased I purchased the trailer from the company, but not on the lease purchase. It's between just me an and outright, the bank. just an so, outright purchase. Okay, good. Correct. Yes. Yeah. 
And then after all that was said and done, I walked back into the bank and the bank manager said, oh, by the way, please make sure there's insurance on that trailer. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And I get it. They want to make sure that if it gets totaled, their asset is covered. Well, they just mean um, uh, comprehensive insurance, right? Just just if something happens to it, if it gets stolen, if it gets crashed, if it gets burned up in a fire, that there's somebody to pay for it. Yeah. And the insurance company, and I said that's, and I was like, hey, I need insurance on the, on the trailer. And they said, okay, how much do you want to insure it for? Well... At the time, I had purchased it for seventy thousand, so I'm insuring it for seventy thousand. Okay, yeah, let, there you go. Let me let me help you out and some other people because this, to me, is one of the biggest scams in insurance. This makes me insane. You, they want you to put a value on it when you buy it. Almost always that I've seen, they they almost force you to put the value on that you paid for it. There's a problem on day one if you buy it. You don't even have to, you know, people always say, well, when you drive it off the lot, it's a pre, you don't have to drive it off the lot. All you have to do is have your name on the title. That thing may not have even moved yet. And if it burns up sitting there in the dealer's lot, your insurance is not going to pay the amount you just gave them a premium for. It makes me crazy. They just charged you a premium based on $70,000 worth of value. If that thing burn up before you got it out of the lot, they'd probably give you 55 because that's the true price of what it's worth retail wise. I mean, you're paying a markup because you're buying it from a dealer or wherever. But this is so common that the, the day you pay your premium, if something happened, you'd be getting less than what you just paid for. And then every month after that, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Five years later, people are still paying for $150,000 worth of value on their truck, and it's now worth thirty. You should right. You should yep. reprice your equipment insurance every six months. Yes, I need to do that. Well. Everybody I, should. Everybody yeah. should be have, have a have a month a six month reminder to go in, check the value of all the equipment you have insured. Call your agent and say, "Okay, my equipment is now only worth thirty eight thousand dollars. That's what I want to cover it for." Sure. Yep, that makes sense. That makes absolute sense, and that'll help pinch some more pennies there that's, too. On that's the thing. On other things as well. You you keep stacking up the pennies and the dollars will take care of themselves. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, so, but, yeah, no, that I just, you know, I mean, make sure that everybody was on the same page. Got it. I'm not saying that you were wrong. Oh, no, I was. I was when I said that. I think I was mixing up two of my, the two people I'm working with right now. And I greatly appreciate you working with me. I really do. I just... You know, I mean, taking that somebody to say, hey, do this, do that, help me wake up more than what I was doing. Well, it's always gratifying when somebody listens, because a lot of times I I, I can't tell you how many calls I've had people in the same shape you're in or worse. And, you know, they don't think they're doing anything wrong. And if they don't think they're doing anything wrong, then I'm not sure why they're calling me (laughs) for help uh, when they're not willing to look at what they're doing and say, okay, that doesn't make sense. Let's do this. So it's always gratifying when somebody actually does it and you see the results. Sure. Sure. 
Yeah. All right. So we'll save the uh, the purchase on the truck for another day. Yes. Yep. Let you get to some other calls. Yep. Let's do this a little bit at a time, and, and we'll just keep doing this. Yes, sir. Perfect. All right. Have a great day. Uh, love starting off Mondays with calls like that. Let's uh, let's go to Michigan. Tim, welcome. Kevin, Tim, how are you? Good. Uh, hope all is well. Listen, uh, I've been uh, on and off. I uh, missed your show here and there, but uh, man, I'm digging hearing the stories about you and your property. I am yeah. so jacked up for you guys, and that's so cool to hear. And I love uh, when you were talking the other day about diesel. Uh, my golden will not come in the house. We are out there 24-7, man, and I have to pull her in because all she does is sit around, and she's alert. She'll see a deer. She'll see pheasant. It is so badass and cool. I hate coming back downstate to Michigan because I know we're in a neighborhood, and it drives her crazy. So uh, I'm jonesing for up and I totally feel. But, Kevin, you got to do something for me. Okay. You, you got to get a teepee. You got to get a teepee. I got two teepees on the, on the property. I got them both from Jeb and Nicole out of nomadic teepees out of Bend, Oregon. Hold on. Go on me, their site. Hold on. I got to make a note here. Nomadic yep. teepees. I'll even come paint nomadic teepees out of Bend, Oregon. They ship everything to me uh, both times. Uh, what's interesting is all the poles, I ordered the 30-foot poles, and some guy out of Minnesota, they have a couple of locations that there's a truck guy that drives them around. Uh, instead of coming from all the way to the West Coast, they come from Minnesota, for me at least, in Michigan here. It's cool to see him and his wife just pull up in this dually with the 30, 40-foot uh, teepee poles up I'll to bet. the house. But, oh, but uh, if, if they're but in Bend, create, I could go can, pick it up myself. I love Bend. Absolutely. And they got so many cool different um, – you can get the moon phase. You can get buffalo. You can get anything you want. Eagles. I kind of customize mine a little bit, being an artist and all. But uh, they have so many designs, and you can't work with a better group of uh, husband and wife, uh, Jeb and Nicole, out of Bend, Oregon. I, I think a couple teepees are exactly what that property needs. You, because you, you talked about you want to be by yourself. I've told you every time when I call in, I go up north to reset. We're we're heading to Shanghai and and Singapore tomorrow morning for a cruise. I so wish I was up there just resetting. And you know what? I got a solo stove. You know, uh, not right. smoke uh, smokeless fire pit yeah, inside got one the of those. TV. I got all kind. Absolutely. And me and Honey, the dog, go in there and just chill. It's absolutely insane. It's just, you definitely need, and on a cool night, I've slept in a buffalo robe in there, looking up through the smokestack and seeing, are you kidding me? And you can see the smoke, you can see the stars through the holes of the teepee with that, oh, it's killer. It's killer. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to look into that. Good good for you. I'll let you go. How many acres do you have, by the way? I never got that. Six. Six. Wow. Yeah, we've got. And you back up to like BLM, right? Uh, we're in the national forest bonus. Yeah. Yeah. We are actually about, um, it's a big national forest, uh, Gifford Pinchot national forest in Washington. We're about, uh, five miles in. So it's, uh, and then the farther in you go, it gets really remote. I mean, there's a hundred miles of nothing. Um, no, more than a hundred miles of nothing North of us. Um, yeah, about an acre and a half or so is is heavily treed with uh, 120-foot Douglas firs. Um, there's a couple Doug oh, firs for it. It, that, that they 
they built the back deck around them and they're 120 feet and they're four feet away from the house. And then there's about four and a half acres completely cleared and level. And right now there's probably probably a quarter acre of gardens already, a little bit smaller than what I have at the house, but more productive, better laid out. And I have tons of room to expand and plan anything I wanted. And the other cool thing, um, we're in a national forest and there's almost no zoning. The, The zoning category we're in allows me to do almost anything I want with this property. Any animal, any agriculture, anything you want. Pretty much. I could run a, I could put an RV park on it. I can do events. I could run a campground. I can put light industrial. I can do just about anything. What was the name of the national forest? Gifford Pincho. I think that's how you pronounce it. The last name is P-I-N-C-H-O-T. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Well, a teepee would go perfect on it. That's yeah, for sure. It would. So, uh, That'd be very cool. <laughs> I, I'm, well, I'm actually thinking. I'm actually thinking. There's a little corner over on the property that I've been eyeing, and I'm thinking like uh, six TPs around a big fire pit would be pretty darn awesome. Now you're talking. Do yourself a favor. You know, when when you save up a lot of money or whatever money to buy a Harley, and you end up getting that 883, and you grew out of that in no time, and you needed a big, you know, a soft tail. That's right. You remember that? I'm going to tell you one thing, and I because I learned the hard way as well. Don't buy don't buy the twenty two foot teepee. You'll grow out of it in no time. They go up to twenty six. Got it. And you get the liner and and you put the lights in there, and you're going to have trouble keeping Lisa out of there. I mean, <laughs> it could be it could be a men's club. I don't know, but just get creative. So sounds like fun. Have fun and post photos. All right, we'll, we'll do talk soon. Talk to you. Have fun in uh, uh, Shanghai. Sell a bunch of art. Let's go to Texas. Tom, welcome. Good morning, Kevin. Um, when you, when uh, you were talking to the first guy about uh, cutting expenses and whatnot, when you got canceled from SiriusXM, I called him up to cancel my. I think I was paying um, sixty dollars a month for the SiriusXM. It was, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is stupid anyway, you know. And so I called him to cancel, and then you know they tried to talk into everything else. I said, no, no, I'm canceling. And then so I canceled, and then about a I don't know a couple weeks later, I'm like, damn, I, you know, I sort of <laughs> <laughs> sort of need XM, you know, and <laughs> I'm like, damn, Kevin, you know, screwed me all up, you know. Um, well, you know what's funny about this, I, you know, ahead. immediately when I went on, you know, the next day, sent out an email, announced that we got canceled, we were going to come back and do our own thing. I was flooded with people. I'm canceling. I'm ca-, and I started telling them, don't cancel. I'm not. Don't cancel something you enjoy <laughs> yeah, and find right. value in. Uh, you know, I, I didn't cancel my accounts. Yeah, you know, I was on a, so it was like $60 a month, and then that was that was for a year special or something, because I didn't pay attention to it, and they billed me, and I, one month I paid 75 and I'm well, like, you know what, and that's, you know, I, I said, you know, and, but I was still listening to you, so then after like a week or two, I don't remember how long I, I said, but then I called them, and I just got the app on the phone, right. so I Bluetooth the phone to the 
radio, and the app's like $4.99 a month. Right. So I'm like, okay, I, you know, so, something, you know, so yeah, I'm not going to give this, 60 because it gets with Kevin, but I'll give him, I'll give him yeah, five. And, and, and this is so part of their, there, you know, this is part of their problem and why they get so many complaints and so many unhappy people. Their pricing structure is a mess. It's always been a mess. It's like being on an airplane. You look around the airplane, everybody paid something different for their ticket. And Sirius is kind of the same way. It's like yeah. I, I could talk to 10 people and nobody's on the same pricing plan. Well, the pricing plan, I mean, because when you do talk to somebody, they're in Bangladesh. Yeah. And the pricing plan sort of, you know, like haggling for chickens in it Mumbai. Is. You know yeah, what that's I mean? So that's, that's exactly what it's like. Uh, it's, there's that. I, I think each customer yeah. service rep has a dartboard. And an unlimited supply of darts. Ooh, let me see what you're going to pay today. Thump. <laughs> right? So every time it gets, but everybody's going to, I'm, I'm going to have to watch it on closer this time. But whatever it's come to, I'm just going to call them a Catholic. So maybe I'll get it for three bucks next. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, almost like a, it's almost like a game, you know? So yeah. anyway, I just wanted to share that for anybody that's paying 75 bucks a month for something I'm paying five for. Now, I, you know, I got, I have Verizon and every once in a while, the same places you don't have phone, you're not going to have a uh, satellite, but that doesn't last very long. You no, know what I mean? not at all. Not at all. I mean, I I have not had a dedicated receiver for Sirius XM for probably over a maybe a decade. I don't know how long, but I have been using the app. Uh, You know, the nice thing about the app, too, is I can listen anywhere. If I'm at home and I want to listen, I just connect yeah, it to cool. Alexa or whatever. If I'm in any vehicle, I just connect it in the vehicle. So one account on my phone works everywhere. Works better than, yeah, works better than that. Because I had, I had cords running through oh, here. exactly, right. The, the, um, it's a... It's a 2020, but the the uh, radio, it's a Penske rental, so the radio didn't come with XM. And then I'm like, okay, well, no problem. I've got this now. So you crawl up on the top um, with a little bit of, la- you know, like a, a step ladder on top of a bucket to just put the <laughs> magnetic um, uh uh, receiver on the top of your on the top of your sleeper, and then you realize, wait a minute, it's fiberglass. Yeah. So that you know what I mean. There, <laughs> that, that becomes another a whole. There's no place to stick the damn thing. Yeah. You know the um, all the newest receivers now. When I say receivers, I mean like car stereos, truck stereos, whatever you find in a vehicle now. Um, all the new ones are now wireless Apple and Android CarPlay. So you just get in the vehicle with your phone in your pocket or wherever you carry it, and it connects, and you do all your thing right there on the screen. And I've got Apple CarPlay in the coach and our vehicle. So no matter what vehicle I get in, it just connects, and I've got everything right there. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I'm probably never going to own a new vehicle again. Unless my brother closes this deal he's been working on for years, because I went and priced a uh, new Ford, um, and uh, I, I I I thought it was misspelled. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't. What, no, I, I'm not Come buying on, any. Really? I'm not uh, buying any new vehicles, but I did put a new stereo system in the coach for Apple CarPlay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the old the the, 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 the eighty five. Ford 
diesel with the with the yeah, <laughs> with no, the new stereo and if I can live with that. Why not? Yeah, I can live yeah, exactly. With that. I mean, my my yeah, well, the the like only thousand dollars for a new Ford with the diesel. Yeah, the only vehicle that I never bothered to change the the receiver on, and I still just use the old you know plug into the auxiliary speaker port is the FJ. I just don't use it enough to worry about spending money on something. Right. No, I, right, yeah, exactly. If you, if you, yeah, you only use that to haul, uh, you know, a, 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 a nightstand or something. Chicken you feed. Buy, you know what I mean? These days I, I, I seem oh, to be hauling feed, stuff right. for chickens in it, yeah. Now, where are you getting your chicken feed at? Because from what, you know, remember, uh, now what was, did they ever come to a conclusion about why the chickens weren't laying eggs? Um I never heard anything more about uh, that story. Back to chicken feed. That there was a certain well, that, well, feed. Well, that story went on for eight, eight, or eight, eight months, a year, or a year. Yeah, Purina. Yeah. Yeah. So, now I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. I use a, a little bit of a really organic, clean chicken feed that I get locally at a little feed store. Um, and then we actually, we call it supplementing, but it's just, it's just good food for them. Uh, a lot of dried mealworms, some, uh, crushed oyster shell, that kind of stuff. And then they're totally free range. Oh, so they run around and find whatever they can find. They're always in the compost pile. Uh, they love all the stuff I throw into the compost pile. So they're always in there eating. I do have a little bit of sad news to uh, report. We did lose a chicken the other day. I knew it was going to happen. Coyote? Yeah. Well, we don't know. One of the predators. Could have been a fox. Could have been a coyote. Could have been a bobcat. Could have been a cougar. Uh, we have a lot of predators. <laughs> so. I'm surprised you have any. Uh, I'm surprised you have any chickens free ranging up there. I, I'm shocked. Be honest with you. They must be. They must be. You know. I mean, if you've ever tried to run a chick, chicken over in your car, they are pretty agile. But at the, at the, you know what I mean. They can get out of the way when they have to. But uh, I'm shocked you have any chicken. We we've we've kind of prepared ourselves in that it's probably going to be a fairly regular replacement cycle. <laughs> yeah. Just, now, now, are you keeping the eggs? Are you do? Are you doing the? Are you um, uh, hatching your own eggs? With uh, no. it's easy. It's really a simple. We have thing. now I used to do that in sixth grade. Well, right now we don't have a rooster, and I'm not sure that I want one. Well, uh, that's so. We'll we'll see. What I I I might get some um, guinea fowls, guinea hen, and a male for them. They tend to stay wild. From what I understand, if you just keep them, you know, kind of in an area penned in for like two or three weeks, then you let them out. And we have lots of trees all around the edges of the property. I guess they'll nest in the trees. They're not really domesticated like chickens are. They'll go out and nest in the trees. They'll lay and hatch their own eggs. And uh, that may help with the predators. They make a lot of noise. Um, So we, we may try that. I'm also, you know, when I was talking with Joel, Joel Salatin, he actually recommended a, a big farm dog. He, he mentioned some of the big breeds that really work well. That might be a possibility, too. Yeah, yeah. My, my, uh, my neighbor, when I was a kid, he kept getting his uh, chickens eaten by uh, coyotes. And so he said he's pissed off. So he would, he would actually sit there with the shotgun at night, like in the middle of the night, you know, and, and yeah. it never did shoot a coyote. 
And then uh, we'd go out there in the morning, and the coyote, you know what I mean? His chickens would be out there being like another two missing or whatever. So he decided he was going to get geese because the geese start honking, you know? And uh, so sure enough, he hears them honking one night, and so he runs out there with his gun just in time to see that coyote grabbing that goose and pulling it <laughs> and running off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 yeah, that was good. You know it, it's nature. I mean, this is how it works out in the wild. So uh, we'll see. We'll. Uh, it's what it is. Yeah. It's what it is. It, it, it is. So we'll All see right, how you. that goes. All right. Take care. We'll talk soon. Uh, right. You know, okay, what, one of the problems with getting a, a large breed farm dog um, is I, I just know how both Lisa and I are with pets. Um, it might be a farm dog, but it's going to end up sleeping in our bed. So I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. We'll see. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Before I do, I've got room for another call or two. If you want to jump in, I, I'll I'll hang out here till uh, till we either run out of calls or till Brent pulls up. Brent said he was going to be here at eleven. That's about eight minutes. So if you want to jump in, now's the time. Eight five five nine five zero three eight three five. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Darren, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, uh, I talked to you guys the last call there on Friday. Whatever my number is there, I don't know if you remember or not, but I just had a couple of comments or a comment or two on the insurance that you were talking about with Chuck there on his trailer. Yeah. You were explaining how make sure you don't have it overinsured. Um, anyway, I just have a, 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 just to bring, I don't know. So like trailers, I think if I remember right, he has a low pro 53 foot drop deck and Obviously, it depends on what you have, but for some reason, drop decks are, have been way overinflated, and they're still way overinflated. So that's just something to keep in mind. Like honestly, I think yeah. you paid seventy for a trailer that's two years old. That's actually not ever priced when you start pricing, depending on what trailer he has. I should say, I have you know, two I, drop decks. I have a Retinauer and a Mac, I and almost, they are like they're all aluminum, so they're like high dollar trailers. But I, I don't know what mentioned he has. I almost mentioned this, but I, I will tell you that in the 40 years I've been in the industry, this is the only cycle, the last five years maybe, um, it's the only cycle yeah. I've ever seen that happen. So you're right. It is something yeah. no, you should that, be – but I, I don't think that cycle's – I think that cycle's already gone. I just don't think it's shown up in all of well, the pricing yet, uh, but it's going to. We'll we'll go back to yeah, I, normal, I believe. Where look in all the years I had done taxes, not once, not once did I ever have to calculate capital gain on a truck or trailer, not once until 2020, okay. and then it changed. I and, see. And then I was actually I, telling people, "Sorry, but you're going to pay capital gains plus recapture of tax because you actually sold." this truck for more than you paid for it. That was unheard of. Yep. 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 No, I like that. So I have, I bought a 2016 Mac in 2018, a 53 footer. I paid 42,000 for it. And I just sold that a couple months ago. I pulled it five years and I just sold it for 48,000. Yeah. You owe capital gains plus recapture of depreciation. I, 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 <laughs> right. And so that's just a little bit where trailers are at right now. That's why I was like, well, it's, it's probably something for him to, yeah, I no, agree it, with it, everything you said, but with, depending on the, depending on what trailer you got, it does make a difference. So that's, yeah, that's, the, that's all I had. Yeah, the real answer is, 
every six months check the value of your equipment and then yep. reinsure it. Yeah, so don't just blindly yep. think they okay. always go down because at one point they didn't. Yep, yep. So, that was all I had. Good so. point. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to New York. Fred, welcome. Hey, Kevin, long time. How you been? Yeah, good. What are you up to? Uh, I feel like a seven-year-old when you made a cardboard fort. That's how I feel now in my bedroom, <laughs> my house. It's all moving. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. You know, it, I was... I was on. I was talking to someone this morning. Going through everything, I go to my wife every once in a while, and she'll come to me and say, "If I ever bought my like my wife, if I ever buy another another uh, pair of capris, shoot me. I got seven pairs of the same same pants." And <laughs> and I say that to her about my about my canned fish. If I buy another sleeve of organic tuna, please shoot me until I eat some of this. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I, I I tend to be a hoarder of that kind of stuff too. Oh, my goodness. But I got no room now. I'm leaving my house in Texas, 27 and change on the square footage to this 13, 1400 square foot house yeah, in New York. Well, it's, it's, it, it's a, it's a oh, big change. My I know. God. Uh, well, it's a challenge. It, it's a challenge. yeah, we, we're kind of looking at that, you know, the, the house we have now. I know it sounds ridiculous, more than 6,000 square feet for two people and a dog. But the point of it is that it's it's built and it's it's a vacation rental and a, a you know uh, in the future bed and breakfast possibly so right. um but you know we're we you get used to living in that much space and you know we're not hoarders oh, it's not goodness. like we filled it all up or anything but you you just get used to oh okay i can have a room just for this now and and now we're looking at this new property that's 1600 square feet and it's an awkward 1600 and we're looking at it going uh, you know, we should be able to make this work, but we really can't. So we're we're doing some construction. Um, it could be it, it's you know oh, sixteen hundred feet well designed could work really well. This is just a, a weird sure. kind of configuration, and um, you know, part of this property was built nineteen oh two. So yeah, I, I feel your pain on that. Um, I saw a post this morning that was pretty interesting. Airbnbs are getting hammered right now like everything, and a lot of people went out and bought second properties as Airbnbs. The problem is they needed all of the potential revenue to be able to afford them. You know, they they really stretched. A lot of people bought when they shouldn't have bought. They weren't in a good financial position to own a rental property. They didn't put enough money down. You don't get the same mortgage rates on second properties and investment properties. You always have to pay a little more on the mortgage rate. And the minute the market started to slow down, these people can't afford their Airbnbs anymore. Some of them are. Austin, Texas is like an absolute disaster for this right now. And I saw a post. So just to be clear, I've been investing in properties for the last 10 years that I set our vacation rentals, Airbnb. The difference is I'm not renting any of them. I haven't. I haven't gotten a single penny of revenue for any of these properties because I don't need it. They're not developed as properties yet. So, but a lot of people are, are really in trouble because they bought these vacation rentals I saw one listed today, and I think this is going to be a trend. People are going to start turning these into long-term rentals, not 
vacation rentals. The one I saw, though, um, and they were actually calling it a bargain. It was on a waterfront somewhere, looked pretty beautiful. Um, they wanted 1800 a month for it. And for a waterfront property, 1800 a month sounded pretty darn good. It was 300 square feet. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's, that's the problem that we had in 08. Remember, everyone yes. was remortgaging their house, yes. taking loans on their pensions to, to, to buy a spec house to sell. And then the market crashed around everybody. And there was turmoil. There was carnage in the streets back then. I lost friends over it. People would come to me oh, for, yeah. for advice because they knew I was a financial planner. And like a lot of people, they really didn't want my true advice and true opinion. What they wanted me to do was tell them that that was a great idea and they were going to get rich. And I, I, yeah, just the green, green light, their bad decision. I know that's all they wanted. And I wouldn't do it. I, I would try to show them the numbers and say, this works right this minute, but this is a goofy market. This can't last. And that's what I've been saying about these Airbnb properties for the last several years. It's a goofy market. Yes, you can buy one with 5% down because you don't have any money, pay the gap insurance, and still make money with one of these things. You know, you'll have a little bit of extra cash every month, and you have a vacation rental you can go stay in. Sounds like a killer deal, except it's not going to last. Right, right. And that's that's the, that's the whole And this is where, you know, everyone starts saying, you know, well, one of the calls I wanted to make was uh, I've been trying to get in because I'm back and forth trying to move and everything. But uh, I went into one of those spaces about a week and a half ago on a Friday night uh, to, to give my alternative opinion on striking and forcing complexes to make truck parking and everything. I was in there for about th- maybe 30 seconds. I should have put a timer on it. <laughs> and I was kicked off speaker and then kicked off the space. <laughs> And a couple and and a couple of people been DMing me, telling me that they're still talking about me. How I am so wrong that the broker is my customer. They're still talking to me two weeks later. So I said, I love living rent free in these people's heads. You know, here's what's what's great. They have. I had no idea that they were still actually pushing this November first shutdown. And the reason I had no idea. Uh, is because they, everybody in their organization must have me blocked. I don't see anything from them anymore unless somebody else reposts it. And I did see a post this morning. Right. Somebody sent it to me. They got T-shirts, big shirt, shut down November 1st. Um, here's what I don't understand. If you're really an advocacy group like this, like a, a professional association, you want exposure. You want more members. That That's the whole point. That's what gives you power. I mean, in order to be a good association, you've got to grow to get buying power and a little clout. And if you want to be a political organization, which they seem to want to be, you've got to have big numbers or nobody's going to pay attention to you. So why all the secrecy and blocking everybody? How do you grow an organization like that? <clears throat> Well, because they, they're on the, I don't know, but I, I posted something. I don't know if you saw it. I don't know if this is a scam or what it is, but then I got, of course, I got a, a, a hornet's nest of, of all of this back. But, you know, when I say to them, let's put it out in the open, let's have a space about this so we can intelligently debate about this. 
I get crickets, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because me, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't back. But you know what? The, the funniest thing was, as soon as I started talking, they invoked you in the conversation. <laughs> I said, what does this have to do with Kevin Rutherford? I mean, I've been trucking for 35 years, way before I even knew Kevin Rutherford even was alive. Yeah. I have, I formed these opinions. I think I was one of the first guys on your show on satellite radio when I talked about customers and you harped on it saying no one talks about customers, you know, and that's just the way I, that's just the way I am. You know, that's just another one of their tactics. I, 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 you know, I don't even like saying things like this, but that might be the most ignorant group of people I've had to deal with in a long time. I mean, just total ignorance and they react on nothing but emotion in what world is the person who cuts a check for my services not my customer you know kevin i just had i had granite installed for the kitchen here in new york okay so i had a contract to come in and i had you know and and you know he for the tile work i had to install one of these uh, trevor teen sinks my wife found it's about 200 pounds this thing but it's beautiful um he installed that did my tile work and did the granite work well a, a, a contractor came in here and took measurements a different contractor came in here and took measurements and did the granite work but i paid the original contractor not the guy doing my granite work so does that mean the guy who did my granite work is my cus- is i'm his customer no. Right. You know, it's the same thing right. principle. I paid the contractor who was my, I employed for, for his services. Yes. And, you know, so, and when I put that out to, to our buddy Mac, what, 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 so if the shipper is my customer, your customer, what contacts do you have? Do you know who to bill or do you get paid from the broker who, who brokered the deal? You know, granted, a broker is a middleman, but that's what that—that's what the term broker means. But who actually do you know in that shipper's office? In in almost you know, all of our transactions, whether they're business or personal, there are lots of middlemen. I mean, when somebody right. buys something Walmart from my store, when somebody buys something from my store, they're paying me. They're my customer. The product they're buying, I didn't make it. In most cases, I, I exactly. That's bought it from Walmart, somebody Walmart else. Right, of course. Walmart yeah. doesn't manufacture all that stuff. That's how business works. There are lots and lots of people within the transaction, but the way to keep this straight is you first serve your primary customer. And that's easy. That's who pays you. In our world, we have lots of secondary customers. The shipper, the receiver. Yeah, I'm not saying ignore those people because they're not your customers. If you want to be successful, you provide maximum value to your customer. That's easy to figure out who paid you. Okay, now we know who our customer is. What are some of the ways I could provide maximum value to them? Well, I could treat their customers really well. That would work. 100%. Your your granite installer who was a sub... Your granite installer was a sub. He's probably being paid by the the contractor. That doesn't mean that you're not his customer, so he should come in and trash your house and do a shitty job because the contractor would never hire him back. He came here. He gave me his number. He said, what's your number so I can call you when it's ready so I know when I can come? we We had interaction, but I 
wrote the check or paid the cash to, to, to the original contractor that came in and gave me the pricing for everything. You know, I, I, I made the statement. I, 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 this whole group just seems really, really ignorant about business practices. Uh, I'm going to clarify that a little bit. You mentioned Mac. Mac is not ignorant about any of this stuff. I know he's not. But he has become so emotional for some reason about all of this stuff. He is spewing some really ignorant stuff. And he's not ignorant. Now, some of them, as bad as this sounds, I just honestly think some of them might be dumber than a box of rocks. I don't even think it's ignorance for some of them. Well, you know, you say that and then, but, you know, because the way he acts, on these spaces and, and when you had him on the show, or whatever, I wonder if, if that statement doesn't apply to him. I don't because, know. I don't know. Like you said, the, the lunacy, the lunacy that comes out of his mouth and what he posts, and it, you can't make heads or tails sometimes of the post, and uh, I, the I'm way not, he writes it. And then I'm not necessarily taking credit for this, but it, it seems like I came over to Twitter around the same time. A lot of other fright people did. You know, you can even talk to people that have been on Twitter for years and years in the freight industry, and they will tell you about a year ago what we call Freight X now or Twitter Freight or whatever has kind of exploded. There's a lot of new people, much more activity. Craig Fuller just posted about this the other day. And when we first start, when I first got there, and that was my first exposure to this group and was not my first exposure to Mac. Him and I went round and round a couple years ago on one of the protests, and, and we ended it on fairly good terms. When I first got here, he seemed to be talking about a lot of common sense stuff. It wasn't that we always agreed, but it seems like he gets worse and worse. It, it's almost like I, I don't know what's happening, but I, I don't believe that. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I don't even respond to anything he posts anymore because I can't make heads or tails of it. Well, you know, I, I was in a space this morning and they, and actually someone brought up this trucker strike. So they're getting some traction in the mainstream somehow, but, um, I, I you know, I kind of schooled them on this and a, a couple of other people jumped up for speakers. Didn't, didn't push back on me at all. Just kind of uh, agreed. I think we've become this society of someone please take care of me because I can't do it. You know, I, yeah. I, the, what got me yeah. jumping into their space was Mac came out and said that um, that governments, local governments, you got to fight your local government because when they approve an industrial park, they have to mandatorily put in overnight parking for trucks, mandate them to do it. And I'm like, what world do I live in? Mandate my ass? You're going to tell me I have to buy a bunch of really expensive real estate and, and put in concrete and asphalt? And you're going to tell me I have to? Oh, hell no. This is what he said on the space. And I said, wait a second. And then I had another guy, this WM, who actually gave me his phone number out in, out in uh, space and wanted me to call him privately. And I did a tongue-in-cheek response to him, and then he got all upset. I said, listen, I don't want to take a long walk in the park with you. I said, you know, what I got to say to you is in public or to anyone in public. I right. said, you know, I don't right. swing that way, just being tongue-in-cheek, you know. But he got all upset with that. And I'm like, listen, I, I'm not here to talk to you 
and be buddies. We're we're not friends. We never probably never will be because of your views and my views are so far apart. But we can amicably agree to disagree and maybe have like you try to do to have the audience understand two perspectives. And and no one wants a difference. I, I call them the leftists of truckers because they just shut you down if you disagree. They don't want to. They don't want a, a debate or anyone with a difference of opinion talking to them or talking to their their people. Correct. They they and again, it comes back to total ignorance. Um, they don't want to talk to me because I ask yeah. too many questions. I mean, I when when the strike first came up, I, I did not criticize it. All I did was when I saw the first post about it, I asked a question to one of the officers of the association organizing this, not just some random person. I asked one of the officers officers specifically how many trucks do you need to shut down to be effective that seems like a pretty basic question if you are planning some sort of a protest and you want it to be effective how many trucks do you need because every single protest i have ever seen in this industry outside of union strikes that's something totally different every shutdown every strike everything i've ever seen like this is so pitifully ineffective because even 10,000 trucks isn't going to make a dent. Well, but they don't even have a number. They can't in a bunch. Well, they got it because they don't understand that. They, they just, they just think that if they make enough noise, I mean, this is my perception anyway, if they make enough noise that they'll get, They'll get someone to come to to listen to them, and then Ooh. they can give them their list of grievances. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Gonna, I don't know. Who's going to come listen? And here's the other problem. I don't know. When, if they know. This is this is another thing I've I've criticized every one of these groups for. Look at your list of demands and tell me who can change each one of them. Because first of all. You need to get the attention of about 15 different groups based on all your different demands. And then 90% of these demands, nobody could change. But they, they never want to talk about that. And, and then they wonder why these, these things are always a joke. They always make the industry look bad. People wonder why I push back against these things. Why do I criticize them? Why do I push back against them? Why do I make a big deal out of these? Because it makes us look bad. That's why I do it. I I don't want this industry to look like a bunch of damn fools. And that's what these people look like every time they do this. They don't have a number uh, of what would be effective. Their list of demands is ridiculous. And they can't answer when I ask them who could change that problem. They don't know. They have, an, they have a whole list of grievances. They've never identified who could possibly change these things. Well, because like I said, they don't, at the end of the day, I don't believe they it, really know how to do, how to get anything changed. I mean, they don't. They clearly they don't. They claim to be advocates. They claim to be this. They claim to have all this experience. And then you, when you call them, you say, well, what about this, that, and the other thing? You call them out on it and they, they get angry and yell at you. Or you block know? you. They just block me. They, they won't even engage with me at all anymore. Well, there, there was a space. I, it was last night or the night before, and I was just tired because I'm just going. Uh, I mean, I got a little bit of a cold here because I just let myself run down. And um, uh, I was going to engage with them again. I said, I just don't have the energy. Yeah. I, I was just <laughs> going to do it just to, you know, to, I, just to do it. You know, I mean, it's, you know. I almost so, thought they had disappeared. So. 
I see so little of them until just the last day or so. Neil and a couple other people sent me some stuff, but I thought maybe they had just totally disappeared because I don't see anything. You know, you mentioned, you know, we've become the society that just wants to complain and everybody else got to fix our problems. And, and then these kinds of protests or shutdowns, honestly, all they look to me is like an eight-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. Exactly. And that's what they get perceived, you know, and unfortunately, you get people that don't know the the nuts and bolts of this business, and they get some traction sometimes outside the trucking industry. And I was just happy that I could give, I said, listen, this is what I see they are. And I told them what happened, and, you know, to me in the space and everything. And I said, go ahead. This was one thing I thought was funny. I did see this a week or so ago. A uh, couple of them were going back and forth about numbers, who's more profitable, all that stuff. And they were trying to compare numbers. And my name came up, obviously. <laughs> and their claim was that I don't know how to track numbers for an owner-operator or small carrier. I don't know how. That's interesting. That's an interesting take on the guy who wrote a program specifically for this. That accountants use. You would, you, yeah. We yeah. have lots of accountants who use our software for their owner-operator clients. Excuse me. Right. And, and let's be real. Keeping track of numbers for an owner-operator is third-grade math. It's nothing more than that. You add, you subtract. I, I, I mean, we don't usually even have to do multiplication or division. This is really simple stuff. They were going back and forth so much, I jumped in and I said... Give me a break. Post a standard P&L and let's just start from there. But I, I don't think they understand what a standard P&L is. Well, I don't know if you remember, if you recall, when I met you in Dallas, I said to you, had I had that program 25 years ago, I don't know, I'd probably be like TJ, you know, yeah. just because yeah. I, I knew my numbers, but I didn't know them down to the penny. That, that, that software is so, unless you had all these spreadsheets, which people still do, but I mean, for one or two trucks to have your software, it's priceless, priceless in a business operation such as ours. They actually made the statement, I don't understand how to track numbers for an owner-operator. Yeah. What do you That's, do with that? Well, that, 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 leads to their, their lead, that leads to the ignorance that we're dealing with here. Yeah. Yeah, it, does. it really but, does. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you get back to some other some other calls because they, you know, listen, when, when you when you push back on someone, you should really learn their history first so you can actually push back on them uh, without, in an intelligent manner. Without you know? making a fool of yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's all I, you know, listen, I have no, I, listen, I, I say this on your show, I say this. When my father told me something was hot, I grabbed it with two hands just to make sure because I wanted to make those mistakes. <laughs> I was too hard-headed. Right. And you know what? I have no, I, no, someone can come to me and tell me I'm wrong and I'll say, okay, maybe I am wrong. I am not perfect. I'm not a perfect human being, that's for sure. And I've made plenty of my own mistakes here. But you've got to show me where I'm wrong or, or give me a better way and I'm, I'm apt to listen. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, you know, I fight all the time not to become so closed-minded or think that I'm always right, that I, that I can't listen to somebody else. But I can also do this. It doesn't I, – I, I've done it enough. I've spent tens of thousands of hours on the radio talking to people. 
you know, when, when somebody says they've got 2 million miles, that tells me they've seen everything you can possibly see on the road. The odds of seeing anything new at that point are pretty slim. I've talked to people for that number of hours. Um, it doesn't take me long to figure out when somebody's either just completely wrong, completely ignorant, or totally full of shit. I don't have to spend an hour with them. It takes me a couple minutes now. Correct. Right. You know, and that's that's the thing. You see, they. <clears throat> that's why it's just so baffling that they they have whatever. Fo- I don't even know what, what kind of following they have because they either get these new people that that are either in a failing boat. I mean, I think someone said most of these guys that are going to shut down are losing their business anyway because they can't afford to run. Correct. Which is yeah, it's uh, it sucks. Well, it sucks. But you know, this is this is the time. This is the times we're in, and well, this is what happens let, in these let's cycles. Let's be real. Let, let's be real. If if all of their complaints and it's advocacy for other people because they don't need this help, they'll tell you that all the time, which just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. But if that's the case, if that's really what they're all about, this shutdown should have been a year or a year and a half ago when the market was screaming hot and you could have made an impact with the fairly even then you need a big number of trucks, but you you might have a shot at it when the market was super hot and everybody needed a truck. What sense does it right. make to try to organize a shutdown now? Like I said, you could get 10,000 trucks, which they're never going to get. They're not going to get 1,000, much less 10,000. Yeah. But even if you yeah. got 10,000 today, it's not going to matter. Well, you know what it is, Kevin? I, that's, this is why I question their motives, because if they were truly trying to change the, the way trucking is perceived or paid or whatever their grievances are, par- parking, they would have been doing this five years ago when, you know, when it, or 10 years ago. I've never heard of these people. Not that I, no, not that I pay attention to no, many people it, on, on social media, but. No, I can tell you exactly why they're organized. They're organized now because the market sucks and they're failing. They won't tell you that. Oh, no, right. I've had right. this truck for forever. And I, no, I do great. I get. Yeah, you probably were doing great last year. Everybody was. For the last 10 years, it hasn't yeah. been that hard. But they're organized and bitching now because they're failing and they don't know what to do. Right. Well, I was on a space actually with, uh, with Reed a few about a month or two ago when I was uh, up in Kansas uh, waiting to, you know, just parking for the, you know, to deliver the next morning. And he said, you know, he had made a statement tongue in cheek. Oh, you're one of those Rutherford guys at the fuel efficiency. And I said, hold on a second. I said, I listen to Kevin. I said, but I run a 1988 Peterbilt 379. I am in no way, shape, or form <laughs> Kevin's guy when it comes to when it comes to fuel economy by any by any means. I says, you know, Kevin and I have a good rapport, and we, we agree about a lot of things, but. You know, but again, and Kevin will agree. I said to him, again, Kevin will agree that it's my option to do this. Absolutely. You know, that's not, you know whether he agrees, whether he agrees or disagrees with my choice is different than my 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 uh, my freedom to choose that way. It, I said, and that's why I get along well, you, so well with Kevin. I said, and you know what my standard line on this is? I don't care if you want to drive a 1959 Brockway that gets two and a half miles to the gallon. If you like that truck and it's what you want to drive. <laughs> I've driven one of those. I, I know. If that's what you want to drive, then drive it. 
you will not hear a word right. from me until you start bitching about brokers, rates, and fuel prices. Then you will hear me right. tell you, you could fix this problem yourself. I have never once heard you call and yeah. complain about any of those things. No, I don't complain about much. No. Maybe about uh, my wife spending more money even though we're getting rid of shit, but that's about it. Look, <laughs> look if, if I were to actually start criticizing people that, that choose to do business a certain way that maybe is more expensive than it should be, um, I'd be a hypocrite. This trip, I could have done this trip for, well, really, I could have done this trip for nothing. I had an allowance for, for travel as part of my deal to speak, um, and it was a fairly generous allowance for travel that would have allowed me to take whatever flight I wanted. Um, they already have a room for me in the hotel for the whole event, and they would have paid for it if I wanted to come in early. I chose not to do that, and to, to bring this coach and do this will probably cost me about six grand. That's not practical. Right. That that I, I could have done this much cheaper. I choose to do this for a lot of reasons. One, I'm really comfortable and I like to travel this way. And it gives me a lot more flexibility to go, go meet with more people while I'm on the road. I, I've got a lot of meetings set up between now and the time I'll get home again. But I, but I can't say this was practical and cost effective. But I'm, but I'm, in, a, I'm in a position in my business that I can afford to do this. And I would never right. come on and the air and say, oh, oh, my God, you guys aren't buying enough in my store and I can't afford to travel like this. If yeah. I ever and say that, that, please. You, need, you need us to up, up the ante. Yeah, yeah. if I ever say so anything like that, please just turn the radio off and don't ever listen to me again. I get it. I get it. You know, and th that's the beauty about being American, being in your own business. You can make these choices on how you want to dictate your assets. But you know and, what? You got to be successful enough to do that. And if if for some reason this fails and I've had failed businesses, they're no fun. Um, no way would I ever sit around and blame it on anybody else. I might look at things and go, hmm, maybe that coach wasn't such a good idea. I, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's business and it's life, you know, it, it, but the, it, we, we have gotten to this point and I, I honestly, I saw it happening in society, but for some reason I didn't think I was going to see it in trucking. I, I guess I still have this old school belief about trucking that we're all really kind of, you know, rugged, independent. I mean, that that's the way I grew up thinking of truck drivers. Yeah. And yet, right. and yet we just seem to have an industry full of weenies anymore that, that just want to blame everything else and everybody else. I just didn't think that was going to happen in trucking. Well, well the best thing was, um, I don't know. I mean, I must have said this in, in some space or something about how I left New York and I, and I had a 12 truck business and I sold it and I, and I took one truck to Texas with me. And all of a sudden they harped on that. I lost 11 trucks. They, and I'm like, where are you getting this from? I said, no, I sold the business of 12 trucks. I sold the whole thing. 12 trucks and all, and I got one truck, and I brought it to Texas with me. I did almost the same thing. I had 11 trucks and sold nine of them at one point. Now, I will say I had to. I made enough mistakes right. that I couldn't keep 
all 11 trucks. I was about to go bankrupt. And I admit that all right. the time because it's a lesson there. I learned more during that process than almost any other time. But I will tell you this. The minute you admit a mistake in that group, they will harp all over that mistake. Like, oh, why would I ever listen to him? Look, he lost all his trucks. Well, no, that's why you should listen to me. I learned that lesson. Yeah, learn, Making learn from my mistake. mistakes. Exactly. That's what I tell it. My God, I, I come on the air and say, look, the best way to learn is to make mistakes. I wake up every day and try to figure out how many m- mistakes I can make faster. Because it's how I learn. Uh, yeah, the only thing, that's it. Sure. That's the key right there. Uh, making mistakes is a good thing until you make one that puts you out of business, then that sucks. So I try to avoid those. Right, but they right. will, they, they, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to the same thing as when you ask them a question and they just get defensive and they can't answer. This is just another defense tactic. Oh my God, he said he made a mistake. And right. they just jump all over that. And again, they don't realize how ignorant they're being. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I said, you know, I, 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 my, what I sold was a heating oil business. There is no heating oil business. In I'm sorry. Well, I could say the same and, thing. And those I, and trucks I cannot repurpose. Of course. I, I cannot it, repurpose those trucks to, to haul freight. Right, right. Well, it, you know, they didn't do enough background on me to know enough about me, like you said earlier. Had they done a little background, I'm sure they would have jumped on, well, why did he sell his trucks? Right. Yeah. That's, you know, this is, and, you know, and I can give you all the, all the I mean, the company that I sold was in business for years after I sold it until <laughs> they did something wrong and, and, My, and the FBI took them out. The, but that wasn't me. Right. The contractor I sold my contract to is still in business and bigger than ever. Right. I think he's got close to 30 trucks at FedEx now. Good for him. Yeah. So, and that's what I tell people. I, if I, if I'm never envious of what people have. If I want it, I'll figure out a way to work hard enough to get it. Exactly. And you'll probably make a bunch of mistakes along the way. <laughs> Me make a mistake. Come on now, Kevin. You know who you're talking to. <laughs> uh, well, it won't be a mistake. It'll be an error. It'll be an error. Yeah. Yeah. It's someone else's error. That's I right. I just had to live with it. Yeah. That's right. You know, I, it, it, I, I'm not surprised that we're seeing this. How long have we been predicting this? We knew a tough market was coming. We knew there's a yeah. huge percentage of this industry now that has never seen a tough market and they're just lost. And Kevin, you know what? Not for nothing, but one of my customers, who was a broker, just emailed me last week a whole bid that they're trying to get up here in the Northeast, and she thought of me. Yeah. And, you know, we talked on the phone. We talked on the phone. It's year out. It's a year contract, couple loads a week, just local up here in the, in the, in the new, you know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area. And we talked about it, and I said, listen, um, one truck, one trailer. Um, but I think I can handle these three lanes for you as long as we can logistically navigate the uh, the delivery times, you yeah. know, delivery days and everything. And so we went over rates and I said, tell me if that works. If it doesn't work, let me know what will work. So, I mean, that's how that's how we do it because you know what? It is a bad market. I'm not here to demand what I want. What I really want for that lane and what I told her I would do it for are completely different. Yeah. But if I get that contract for a year... 
and they and they and they get my and they see my level of service, maybe next year it look uh, twenty five is looking better, and and uh, and I can up my rate. You know, I don't, I don't want to. I look at it. I, I don't want to give too much away, uh, but the keynote that I'm still working on, uh, but I feel a lot better on it now. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm getting close. The theme really is um, how bad things are right now. We can't ignore that. There's a very good chance they're going to get worse. We can't ignore that. But the real theme is this is when the best opportunities show up. Yes. There were, there were I, opportunities I over the last three years to make a lot of money. There, there weren't really any opportunities to pick up really significant business. I mean, it's just freight was everywhere and everybody's scrambling just to cover it. Nobody had time to really sit down and say, boy, it would make sense if we put this load on, you know, a dedicated carrier every week. That's the kind of stuff that's going to happen now, though. There, there will be, there are already companies out there who are going out of business and, They've got good freight and good contracts. It's all over the place. All of that stuff is going to be open and available. Well, I can't talk to that because I'll be striking on November 1st. Oh, wait, no, I'm in, I'm in the wrong group. Sorry. <laughs> hold, hold on a second. Hey, Brent, come on in. Brent's knocking on the door and my, uh, I just realized my headphone cord doesn't reach all the way over there. Well, tell Brent we miss him on the radio with us. We'll we'll do. Lay him in a. Oh, there he is. There he is. I did say come in. My phone cord won't reach over there. My headphone cord. All right. All right, Fred. I think we're going to wrap this up for the day. I like being able Sounds to end good. on my you own. Enjoy schedule. your show. Tell Brent I said hi. We'll do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We'll do. All right. All right. Talk to, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. We are going to wrap this up. Um, oh, you know what? It's only Brent. I'll take one more call. I've got one more. Let me turn off the phone so nobody else sneaks in here. But I am going to go to Louisiana. Mark, welcome. Hi. Uh, I'll make it quick. Uh, okay, so I made so many mistakes getting into this business that, that you know, nobody needs to follow what I did, but I got in the business with a credit card and a bank lo- uh, <laughs> and a vehicle loan that with no, I, no money down. And I, like I said, I'd never call you because I, I knew I was completely screwed up and everything until, you know, I figured everything out and worked through it. But the these people that want to complain about don't know their numbers. They just don't know them. And it's like they don't want to know them. And it doesn't matter. They, they all say, well, if you can't drive a truck, you don't know how it works. Well, that's, you know what? It's, it's, it's just simple arithmetic, like you said. And it's just, it, it doesn't matter if you're running a truck or running a store. It's money in, money out, and you have to know where it goes. And, and people don't seem to grasp the whole basic concept of running a business and, it's just it doesn't yeah. really matter what the business is. You know the difference? And... You know the difference? So I, I could go back. You started with a credit card and a loan. Uh, I was worse off. I didn't have good enough credit to get a credit card. And I started a business. Not the smartest thing to do, but I survived and I learned. Um, the difference yeah. that, that I see more and more now, 
these groups that I'm always bickering with or debating with, the difference that I see before you ever called me, you knew you were screwing up. You knew you had to figure out better ways. Of oh, doing I knew. Things. I knew it. They these people do not ever acknowledge that they are doing anything wrong. They believe that no. because they started a business, they are entitled to a profit. That That's the attitude I get from them. And if they can't change that attitude, they will never succeed. And here's the thing that I was thinking about while y'all were talk- you and Fred were talking about brokers and whatnot. I mean, if you want to boil it down to just being very simplistic, the grocery store is a broker. I mean, almost everybody is. Everything is brokered. Right. Everything is. You've got, I mean, the the car dealerships, with the exception of Tesla, are basically a car dealership's a broker. They get the vehicle and they're in the middle and they're the middleman. A lot of that's by law. I mean, some dealerships have to, you know, there's laws in certain states where dealerships have to be closed on a Sunday or, or one day a week, so they choose which day it is. But there's different, everybody, every, almost every business that sells a product is, is a broker. Or, they don't, or a very few people right. make and distribute a middleman. You say a middleman, you say a broker, right. whatever. Broker's nothing more than a middleman. Real exactly. estate's the same way. But it's like, you know, they they don't understand customer service. They don't understand the whole process of of building the relationships that we all have to do. Uh, And I've worked on this. This last month, I've worked really, really hard to be able to pay things off and to set myself up where I could come to Nashville this week. I mean... You said it's costing you six thousand dollars this week, and the part of next week's going to cost me lost revenue more than that. Yes, but I, that's what you have to pay. For. That's that's what you that's what you do when you're self-employed, and, and you shut the revenue stream stream off. I mean, it could cost me twenty thousand dollars. Yes, I, know, I mean, I, I, ten thousand a week. It could cost me twenty thousand dollars to take off for this. I, I but I, I need the time say, away for me. I used to say all the time, the husband and wife owner operator teams that came to our CMC, that was a ten to $15,000 week for them. By the time they paid for the ticket, yeah. paid for the hotel, we usually covered all the food, so nobody had to pay to eat anything, but they had to cover a hotel. Uh, and then the lost revenue for a team, it was a ten to $15,000 event. I, I yeah, never I had mean, anybody w- complain about it. Well, no, I've chosen to do this. I'm not working on, on on the first that everybody seems to want to go on strike just because <laughs> I choose not to. It just it's how the day fell. So it's like I'm not working that day, but it has nothing. If if and believe it or not, with this recent issues I've had with with the, with the uh, the EGR cooler, and I took on five thousand dollars extra expenses last month and repairing an oil pan gasket and replacing the EGR cooler. I've actually thought it might be my better interest to skip all of this and just stay working. But I really need to take some time off for me because of, you know, to, 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 to rest my body and to rest my mind and, and just well, get away and step away. It was planned. I scheduled this months in advance. So the fact that things came up, I just absorbed it and I move on. I mean, exactly. And, and, at, and at here's the end something of this else. Week, at the end of this week, I'll have a hundred. At the end of this week, I'll have one hundred seventeen thousand dollars in my business account. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm and flush with cash, but I'm saying I'm probably above average. That's very, very healthy. And here's the other thing: it's not like you're going to lay around on a beach and drink margaritas, which isn't a bad thing either. If that's what you want to go do to get a break, you're taking a break. No. You're getting away from your everyday thing, but you're 
coming to a trucking event. That, that that's kind of like work, and there's all it, it's always beneficial. Well, and that, and then I'm going to leave Saturday. I'm going to go to California. I'm going to go back to the mountains. I don't know what there I'm going to encounter out there, but it's like I just want to get away and spend some time away from the vehicle, uh, 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 away from the daily grind, because I think that's the beneficial the the benefits outweigh the the fact that I should just stay there and grind through this. But it's like I'm in a position where I don't have to run loads I don't want to run. I don't have to do things I don't want to do. I mean, but I do do things that you know, I do take things that other people don't want to do. I did it this past week twice. People didn't want to do four drops. I took four drop loads. It put almost $8,000 in my pocket. And other people sit back and bitch and complain. And, and, and here's another thing about self-employment and owning your own authority. Paul and I had a three-way conference with three car haulers yesterday, and the other gentleman has his own authority. And he bought a truck, and he tried to expand, and he couldn't find people that work like him. And that's another reason why I don't want to expand at 58 years of age, because I can't find people that want to work like me, that will work as good as I work. He had a, a, he had a manufacturer call him because the driver loaded the load, got it out of the facility, and sat on the damn thing for three or four days or a couple of days. And they say, hey, where's this load? You know, you got a sole vehicle out there that's in shipment. They want the damn thing delivered. Yeah. And, and, and it's like he finally just had to say, I can't. I'm not dealing with this. It's hurting my reputation. I mean, I posted a video of a broker to you and TJ last week of this woman broker that she's talking about broker problems. And she gave somebody a load that went from Indiana, somewhere in Indiana to Houston. Well, it was a, it was a fixed load. It was a four or five pallet. It was a small load, but it had a full load rate on it. And the driver decided to, to take, I don't know if you listened to it or not, but the driver decided to take more freight, go through Oklahoma, take time off. And she told him when he had the load, you need to be there by 9, 8 a.m. on Monday morning in Houston to unload. Or And if you have a huge problem, you need to let us know, because if you don't reschedule this, there's a $1,000 penalty, and I'm not eating it. And he yeah. knew that. Yeah. But he chose to do that anyway, and he chose to be late. And she changed it around, and he was still late. She's like, he's going to eat that penalty because I told him. And another thing about these people, another people thing about these people out there is they don't read the emails. They can't follow directions. And then they bitch and complain about something they got docked or they didn't. I mean, they all every damn every broker has, and, and even in the car hauling industry, they have their requirements. And the first thing I ever learned before I ever thought about owning a vehicle when I haul chemicals way back is that, is that if you want to get paid for demerge, there's that word again, demerge for time spent uh, over two hours in the plant because the chemical industry pays that. They said, if you do not write why have a valid reason and write that up and put your times down and get it stamped, whether they sign it or not, but refuse to sign, you will not get paid for this. And if you don't fill your paperwork out correctly, you will not get paid for this. And that's not even an owner-operator. That's just doing your job. Yeah. And people cannot read. And another thing while I'm on a roll is these people get out here and they start, they misspell everything in their post about bitching and complaining, and they can't use simple, correct grammar, that's freaking embarrassing. That's freaking embarrassing, and it shows how freaking ignorant these people are. And then to lecture somebody on, on how they don't understand business, and they right. don't understand how to 
add and subtract, and they don't know what comes in and what goes out and what the hell is going on, and they can't even freaking spell, and they want to go on strike, and they say they're going to start this organization to help people? Give me a break. These people are clowns and grifters. That's all they are, and I don't care if they hate my guts or not, because that's what they are, and they're freaking embarrassing. I agree. You should settle down, though. About all I got. You, you, you need to go well, chill and have a glass I'm, of cardio. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm in Lafayette. I'm, I'm off right now. I, I brought my Subaru over to sell to a cousin last night, my old Subaru. And I, I, I here, you want to hear a funny story? Okay, so I have this nine-car hauler. And so Paul's like, oh, instead of taking all these trips back and forth, go to U-Haul and rent a car carrier. So I go and rent a car carrier, and I loaded the damn thing. And I, t- I was talking to him, that other guy on the phone. I said, I just had to crawl out the back door on this stupid car carrier because I can't get out the damn door. And I said, I barely got out. Paul's like, did you let the fender down? I'm like, the fender goes down. <laughs> I had no idea. I just, I did what every self-respecting car hauler That's does. Right. You climb out the, the littlest hole. Exactly. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> so but right. I'm going to see my mom today. And then I've, yeah, anyway, I'll see you later this week. Excellent. So. Looking forward to it. We will see you then. See everybody that's uh, heading to Nashville this week. We're going to wrap this up. We will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour, Wednesday for Destination Health, and then I will be off on Thursday and Friday. So short week on the show this week. Uh, If you're coming to Nashville, we'll see you soon. Take care. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.